0: I think we've all talked about that no matter what schooling is like it's so Mm -hmm. important what we're doing at home Mm -hmm. right and what and it's our job as parents as mothers and fathers Mm -hmm. to walk through the things that our kids are learning and processing and we're always going to be our primary Mm -hmm. caregivers whether we're homeschooling or not It, Mm -hmm. it falls on us
1: You're listening to the Upside Down Podcast,
2: a place for unscripted conversations on life and faith.
0: Join us as we discuss what it looks like when Jesus turns our lives upside down.
2: Hey guys, this is Christy, and before we play this episode, I'm popping in to tell you about one of my seriously favorite online stores, Love Justly.
0: Yes, Kayla here, and I just have to say, I have loved having Love Justly as our February sponsor. We've been wanting to be intentional about partnering with businesses we actually use. And I love that Christy has been a fan of Love Justly for a while. Hey, didn't you say that you actually purchased some items from Love Justly before they even became a podcast sponsor? Yeah. What did you get, Christy?
2: Okay, so I heard about Love Justly through Shannon, and I needed some bracelets partially to distract from my tattoo and partially to attract (laughs) (laughs) to my tattoo. So I purchased a couple bracelets, and one of them I got. I'm not – I can't remember how to pronounce this, but is it acai berry? The, oh yeah. It's like a super. Oh, yeah, I never know how to say I that know, word. Me neither. Me neither. Okay, so I got this bracelet that wraps around my wrist. I got it in the yellow color and it's amazing. It was mm. like 13.50, which is phenomenal. And then I also yeah, got wow. this awesome. set of 3 bracelets. It's the Howlite bracelet set and it was 14.50. Oh, I, yeah. I got it in like the ivory color and I get compliments mm. on them all the time. Ooh. Yeah,
3: I'm sure those are beautiful. Mm-hmm. It was
2: amazing. Yeah. It was super easy. I think I actually purchased it through the Instagram app, and then the sh- like the shipping. It was there within like three days. It was amazing. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, yeah. She is awesome with the shipping. My yes. my experience has been like that too. Mm-hmm. I have a blouse and a dress, and then my mom gifted me some earrings. For Christmas, so I just love it.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, some of the brands that Love Justly works with include 10,000 Villages, Symbology, Hands Producing Hope, Serve, Made Fair, and Starfish Project. Oh. You might recognize some of those. Mm-hmm. Those are reputable. Um, yeah, Businesses, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I love all of those. Those companies. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. I think I have like twenty things on my wish list <laughs> right now. <laughs> so I'm excited to use my twenty percent off code because yeah. Love Justly has generously given us at Upside Down Podcast and our listeners twenty percent off. And all you have to do is head to LoveJustly.com load up your cart and type (laughs) 20 off that's the number two the number zero and the word off all one word and it's that easy
2: and while you're shopping sit back relax and enjoy this episode of upside down podcast
0: Welcome to
1: this episode of Upside Down, a podcast of unscripted conversations on life and faith, and today I am here with, do you guys want to say your names so everyone knows who's on the call?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Roll call. call. (laughs) Well, I'm Kayla Craig.
2: I'm Christy James. I'm Shannon
0: Evans. And we
1: here.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I knew that was going to happen. Yes, I
1: was here. I'm Lindsay Wallace and I get to host this episode. Today we're going to be talking about education and choice. The choices that we have made, the choices that we get to make and the privilege that that is, but also fears surrounding those choices, um, what it looks like to meet the needs of all of our kiddos and how we can make individualized choices for each one of them. So um that's kind of the theme of this episode and if you haven't already you'll want to go back to the last episode and listen to it first cuz we barely skim the surface on education and so that will kind of lay the groundwork for what we're going to be talking about today. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's right. And before we get started, this is Kayla. And we got a really nice email from Bethany and she went to upside-downpodcast.com and actually shot us an email. So that was kind of fun. So we wanted to read it to you guys. And she said, "I started listening to episode 1 of the Upside Down Podcast last week and I just couldn't stop. I played it wherever I could, cleaning my apartment, in the car, and walking around outside." I caught up in one week, and now I'm anxiously waiting oh for the next
2: episode to release.
4: Way to go! I mm-hmm. know. Thank <laughs> you. I bet her apartment so <laughs> <laughs> Right. I know.
2: Or maybe she listened to it sped up like three times, like I do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Guys, there's more.
2: Okay. Oh, oh sorry.
0: sorry. <laughs> <laughs> She says, thank you for your vulnerability, honesty, and for just saying what's on your heart." I'm so glad I found this podcast. And Bethany, awesome. we are so glad to have you. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Thanks, sweet. Bethany. And if you ever want to clean my house, I will walk. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> okay, so let's get started. The first question I have for you guys, and we kind of represent the gamut. We represent homeschooling. We represent um, choosing private school. And we represent public school. So I would love to know from each of you, succinctly as possible. <laughs> <laughs> Keyword. Can you can you wax poetic about what you really love about the choice that you've currently made for your kids? I'll go first. This is Lindsay and we homeschool.
1: And I would say if I had to narrow it down and, and whittle away kind of all of the excess, I would say freedom is yeah. what I love most about the choice. And so that. Plays out in a number of different ways. Um, obviously, scheduling freedom. Um, we actually were talking before we started recording about how some of our kids like to sleep in. And some of our kids who go away to school have to be there really, really early. And that feels yeah. kind of cool. And so... That's just one like really small example. It gives our family the opportunity to travel, whether that's Mm. me being away or my husband or us as a whole family. And then just also the freedom to teach them what we want them to learn. Right. Mm. And so obviously there's pros and cons to that. And if, you know, I could just be passing on (laughs) my quirks and all of my passion. (laughs) I, I try not to do that. But, you know, just a quick example, our second grade curriculum focused on American history. And just in glancing at the material before we got started, I realized it was a very um, whitewashed version of Mm -hmm. American history, which most even, you know, Mm -hmm. most school (laughs) textbooks, American history curriculums are going Mm -hmm. to be that way. And so I just tossed it, you know, and I got to pick from the library and teach Mm -hmm. them, you know, a lot of different perspectives. So if I had to, like I said, narrow it down to just one word, it would be freedom, Mm -hmm. um, and it just gives us a lot of that, so mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this is Lori, and I would say on the flip side, because after we homeschooled for like seven years, and I'm still homeschooling our our smallest child, my mm. the the thing I love most about public school is the schedule because <laughs> I know at like two oh. thirty school is over, and when I was homeschooling. Mm. You know, the schedule was so lax, we'd start late, you know, we could, like, finish mm-hmm. up at, I don't know, 8 o'clock at night, mm-hmm. or I would just put things off. And so now, the schedule really affords us the opportunity to say, okay, these are our breaks. You know, they're already mm-hmm. factored in for us. It takes mm-hmm. away the mental mm-hmm. capacity. Mm-hmm. But also, I think for us, the greatest benefit to, to public school has just been that, you um, it gave us an end to our community. So we're on the same schedule as all of our neighbors. Mm-hmm. If school's out, we're all doing the same thing. And I, I like the rhythm of life that is mm-hmm. created for us. And I like that my kids are on sports teams with their with their classmates and their neighbors. And so I feel like collectively, we are all doing the same thing all the time. Mm-hmm. And it just makes for conversation. It makes for camaraderie with parents. I love that. But mm-hmm. if I if I could homeschool again, it would it would be simply for the reason of sleeping in
0: because I would love to do that again. <laughs> I
2: love that, mm-hmm. very cool. And what about you, Christy? So uh, we just to summarize quickly: we did one year of public school last year, and then we switched to private classical Christian school this year, and. I think after like the third day of school, I had this moment where I realized that the teacher that both of my kids have, because it's a combined kindergarten and first grade class, she has her nose double pierced. She has two little rings in it. She's got tattoos on both of her arms and she is the, she's an, oh, and we buy raw milk from her. (laughs) so um and she's teaching the
0: coolest classical
2: i know right i know (laughs) and and yet she's teaching right like she's not this stereotypical like picture that we have of classical christian Mm -hmm. school and yet she's teaching my kids these you know beautiful truths these ancient truths you know they came home reciting the prayer of saint ignatius the first week of school which i think i mentioned last week and so as i kind of stepped back i realized that like this combination of sort of the unexpected and yet these like really ancient um, traditions and truths and educational methods felt like this expression of us. And so um, I think that's my favorite thing is that we found this really unique place where it just fits. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, that's really neat. Mm -hmm.
3: So this is Shannon. I think my favorite, we are currently in Iowa in a pretty small town, And there's not a lot of diversity here. And so I think if my son wasn't in public school, he would, and my, my son, the oldest that's in school is in first grade and he's black, he's Ugandan. And I feel like if he wasn't in the public school, he would not often see children that weren't white, um, Mm -hmm. just because, Mm -hmm. In Iowa, there's just not a lot of of (laughs) non-white folks. Um, There are some at our church, but it seems like for most of of the church things that we go to or most of the things outside of church or school that we go to, it's generally a very, very white experience. And so just having kids who are Asian and Middle Eastern and Hispanic and African and African-American, biracial, everything out of the sun... You know, it's still obviously, it's still we're in Iowa. It's still predominantly white, but just having that representation of everything means a lot for our family. Yeah.
4: Hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Shannon. This is Kayla, and uh, we have a very similar family <laughs> look. Yeah. And we're also in Iowa, and my kids also go to public school. And I have a kindergartner, and my kindergartner is also black, and he was adopted from Nigeria. So very similar context in. Um, everything you said, I totally echo. And the other, the other aspect of that is when my son started, he spent a lot of time, um, working in the resource room and he flourished. And there is something about the people that decide to go in to work with kids that have some extra needs Mm -hmm. who, and they loved my son and Mm -hmm. they're like my heroes. Mm -hmm. And we just, saw him go from just we'd watch his charts and he would just would skyrocket and they just they poured into him in such a beautiful way and it is just such an incredible experience to see him just really become more of himself in his tc so like pre-k class and now in kindergarten and um, just all of the tools that you are afforded that we have been blessed to be afforded at his his school has Mm -hmm. been a really good benefit for him and it's made me really grateful as a mom Mm -hmm. that he's been able to have that that's
4: awesome Mm -hmm.
1: yeah yeah that's really sweet Mm -hmm. so we started off by talking about things that we love about our choices but every choice has it's lacking right so Mm -hmm. how do you guys supplement your education choice with things that your particular choice doesn't offer we kind of talk a lot about when you say yes to something then you're saying no to something else right right so Mm -hmm. how are how are you guys intentional with what you're saying no to in your schooling choice but maybe incorporating that into your life in some other way in your parenting and in your home what does that look like Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, well, this is Kayla. And I've been thinking about I've been thinking about this a lot. So my husband is a pastor, and church and ministry kind of takes over our lives. And I've been thinking about how, you know, how we so much of our faith is so ingrained in our lives, that that's one of the reasons why I feel I feel okay about public school in this time is because I feel like my, my kids are getting a lot of kind Of Christian education in the everyday and at school, and mm-hmm. we live in a parsonage, and there's a lot of crossover, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, next door to the church, but you know, it is something that I need to be intentional with. And I email my son's teacher a lot, mm-hmm. so they recently, mm-hmm. on Martin, I hopefully not too annoying. <laughs> Lindsay's laughing, like, oh no, <laughs> 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 I'm, not, I'm not the teacher, but so recently it was the Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And I had a conversation with her about what they were discussing about, you know, civil rights and, you know, talking about that and being involved and making sure that we're on the same page and that I am advocating for my son. And, and that's something that I have to initiate because I can't just take for granted that, that things are going to happen the way I necessarily hope that them to happen, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think just, for the faith aspect, I feel like that is, like, I, I feel good about that. And then I feel like I need to be involved in my son's school more because I made the decision to send him to public education.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So you're saying that you
1: reached out to his teacher proactively before Martin Luther King Jr. Day to s- sort of find out how she was going to handle that. Well,
0: I talked to her. <laughs> I talked to her before that.
2: Mm-hmm. And then
0: I talked to her after. Mm-hmm, yeah i talked to her at the beginning of the year mm-hmm. about some, some issues and then mm-hmm. talked to her after they learned it i wanted to make sure i knew so i could talk to my son because i think that's i think we've all talked about that no matter what schooling is like it's so mm-hmm. important what we're doing at home mm-hmm. right and what yeah. and and we're that we're it's our job as parents as mothers and fathers mm-hmm. to walk through the things that our kids are learning and processing and we're Always going to be our primary kid mm-hmm. caregivers, right. whether we're homeschooling or not, it, mm-hmm. it falls on us. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Right, right. What about you, Christy? So we are also a pastor's family, and I think I think a lot of the differences. So, so our, you know, like I said, our kids are in a classical Christian school, and as far as like what I feel like we need to supplement, mo- so outside of school and outside of church, most of our I would say probably a good percentage of our friends would not necessarily say that they believe the same thing that we believe. And so in terms of being, I feel like the thing that maybe potentially we lack in being a pastor's family whose kids go to Christian school is that interaction with people who believe different things. And so I feel like that's Mm -hmm. one of the the areas where we need to be mindful and, but it's also part of what makes it an option for us that we, we have a Mm -hmm. lot of friends who believe different things and are coming from different perspectives And I think that that's really important, and I think there's a richness in that. And so I think for me one of the things that's been important as we've transitioned from public school to a private Christian school is making sure that we do maintain some of those friendships. And I think – we talked a little bit about this last time, but one of the things that allows us to do that is actually not doing a whole lot. (laughs) You know, Like we aren't – I'm not driving that – like first of all, my kids hate soccer. So I'm like not a soccer (laughs) mom partly because of that, but we just – we're very careful about what we sign up for. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that we're like at someone else's house every day, but it means that like when we, we go to the park a lot and we'll run into people from the old school. And, and then the other thing is like, you know, I, we don't, we, we try to not rely on the school to be teaching them, you know, spiritual truths, but we do, we also don't see it as something completely separate. So we pay attention to what they're talking about and what they're learning. And we, Um, It's kind of like a co-working thing where we, you know, we don't feel (laughs) like we have to reinvent the wheel once they get home, but we also aren't relying on what's happening there for their spiritual development. So, you know, just not letting that become something that's like, we kind of feel like our hands can come off because they're learning it at school is important. So it becomes Mm -hmm. supplemental, even though it's not contradictory, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah.
3: Um, This is Shannon, and I... So my my husband is currently on staff of a church. He he does campus ministry and music. Um so a lot of our time is spent at the church. Too, you know, just there it just seems like there's always something going on, you know, that we're up there for. So my kids spend a lot of time there and and feel like it's very much a part of our family culture. My my one who's in elementary school actually also goes to a once a week, it's called catechesis of the good shepherd. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I don't know if the roots are necessarily Catholic. I know I have an Anglican friend who teaches it, um, at her, at her parish too. So I'm not totally sure, but anyway, it's really, really beautiful. It's a form of religious education. That's Montessori style. Mm-hmm. Um, so he goes there once a, once a week. And I really love that that's an opportunity to be with um, other children from our parish and they're with really safe, gentle, kind adults. And they're, they're learning things about the faith with his peers, you know, that it's, I think that, that there is an element of that, that's really important, that it's like, it's not just our family thing, but that other kids are doing it too. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. other kids are, um, this is a part of their life too. And you have that in common. And I don't know, I think that's. Important, so I feel really, really thankful that that's available here, and especially in the style that it's done. I really love
0: that, mm-hmm. and so I'm that's like a, that's like an after school program, yeah,
3: yeah I they think. have they ha- they offer it at different times of the week. I think there's two different ones, so his is after school, and then there's one like on a weekday morning that the homeschoolers go to, so yeah, it's great, we love it um, mm-hmm. but As far as in the home, I'm going to be honest, we have, we go through seasons where we're really good about praying as a family and then seasons where we're not. And right now we're not praying as a family, Mm -hmm. Um, but that Mm -hmm. is a value. And Mm -hmm. so we're constantly like coming back to the conversation and being like, okay, we need to get back on track. We need to, we need our children to see us praying together. You know, even if they're not paying attention, it doesn't matter. Like they see that it's happening, but at the same time, I think Maybe more important than that is for them to be included in, like, how our faith affects all of our life. And so, like, whenever anything comes up, any any big topic or even maybe a smaller thing, but we're talking constantly about the Lord and about
2: Mm -hmm. how people are
3: made in his image and like why the right thing to do is the right thing to do, not just because right and wrong, but because, you know, because people are image bearers of God and the way that we treat them matters and um, yeah, all of those things. So I think we do work intentionally in a lot of areas on the faith thing. I think the biggest downer for me is about not homeschooling particularly is the freedom to present information in a way that I believe it should be presented. Mm -hmm, And kind of like Lindsay, what you referred to earlier and I think that we really, like, already, you know, on Columbus Day, my son has come home, you know, Mm
1: -hmm. every year with,
3: like, you know, the pictures of smiling Mm -hmm. Christopher Columbus and the, you know, the Native Americans, and he's so young that we haven't broached it yet, because I don't want to, like, burst that bubble of innocence so soon, Um, Mm -hmm. but we will definitely, if he stays in public school, we'll definitely be, like, busting out, you know, a children's people's history of the United States Mm -hmm. and talking a lot about, the perspectives of minorities, and the fact that what we learn in school is told from the conquerors, you know, yeah. perspectives. so.
0: Anyway, I think that's, that's so good, Shannon, and I think we all should be doing that, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that doesn't have anything to do with what kind of schooling, like, right. to me, like, we all should be teaching our kids, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: but, yeah, I dig her. <laughs> yeah, no,
3: and I think too I, I really love about homeschooling the the ability to focus on the natural areas of interest of your kid and so I envy that too of like you know that my son, we do, you know, we go to the library and get books about weather because that's what he's obsessed mm-hmm. with. But like, I would love to have the time and space to explore that a lot deeper and put other things on hold for a while, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, the, that's, we're, we're definitely being intentional in some ways, but I feel the loss too. Just like you said, mm-hmm. you're always saying no to something when you say yes to something else. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. That was a long answer. Sorry,
2: no, <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. It was good to hear Lori. <laughs>
4: I don't know what you want me to say, honestly.
0: Lori, <laughs> <laughs> this is you're unscripted conversations.
4: You... <laughs> I know. Yeah. What but do you guess, feel
0: like? What do you feel like you're saying
1: no to by putting your kids in public school?
4: The only thing I feel like I'm saying no to is family time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's. A I, nice mean, I mean, one. yeah, yeah. I mean, Dad's a church planter. I mean, he's been a pastor for like 20 years, so we are super intentional about making disciples of our own kids, Mm -hmm. we are uber on top of teaching the Bible, teaching, you know, just, I guess our biggest thing is we, we over parent. I mean, our kids are in public school, but honestly, the cool thing is, and in my context, our kids are sitting at the feet of people of color. Mm
2: -hmm. So their,
4: Mm -hmm. their history is not whitewashed. Mm -hmm. They're getting legit history. And they're mm. getting things that Thad and I, our best mm. selves, couldn't teach them. That's so I feel, yeah, I feel like I went to our Black History Month program at our middle school last week. And I sat there, I mean, every year, this is our third year, I cry. Mm-hmm. I, cry <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I, because... I remember you writing about mm-hmm. that last year, Lori. Yeah, like, yeah, I, I seriously, we have a new principal. And like, I don't know what it is, but I sit in that environment. And this year we had a few extra white kids. So maybe six kids were white Mm -hmm. out of everyone who else is black. we have like virtually no Hispanics. It's like all black. So we are in a black environment. And I just, I sit there and every year I'm like, the tears start rolling that I don't know what's wrong with me Um, (laughs) because I don't feel the need to, to teach my kids an alternative history. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I feel like they're getting the, I think they're, they're getting an accurate history. And the only thing I feel the need to supplement would just be, how do we, if they're in that environment, how do we teach biblical truth in the in the context of cultural differences? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I feel like I'm supposed to say that I socialize my homeschooled kids. <laughs> <laughs> yes, how but do you socialize them? <laughs> <laughs> but I don't honestly feel like that is an area, yeah, that's lacking. But I will just say, because it is, probably the question I get asked most by people who are not familiar with homeschool that I don't have to necessarily be intentional about that because we live in a neighborhood that is very people live outside partly because of the climate here but also because we live in a Bahamian Jamaican neighborhood and so people just live outside on their front porches and on any given day there's 15 or 20 kids in front of my house. And so my kids are around other kids really often. Um, but I would say that what my particular choice doesn't offer would be the involvement that Lori has in the public school setting where she is, because our contexts are similar. And so I shared with you guys, that I'll go ahead and share it now too. But when in the last episode, when Lori was talking about um, their decision to put their kids in public school, was really based around the fact that they felt like, and Lori, speak up if I misrepresent what you said, but okay, what I took from it was you were saying, like, we moved into this neighborhood and we feel like the best way for our family to love our neighbors is to enroll our kids in public school. And if we want to have some skin in the game, this is what this is what God's telling us to do, God's calling us to do, whatever language you want to use. But, like, this is the best way for us to love our neighbors. And I had to pause and think okay, is that what God wants of me as well? Because our contexts are similar and because, you know, in the sphere of people who relocate to at-risk neighborhoods, there is this tension between in-school choices in general. Mm -hmm, There's always that tension, but I think for those of us who have relocated, there's this expectation that, well, like, you love your neighbors, you put your kids in public school, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I have to kind of pause and think like, okay, well, wait a minute. Is that... Prescriptive is what Lori's saying, prescriptive, Mm -hmm. or is that her experience and a lot of other people's experience, possibly too, but not meant for me? And so, I think you know, so circling back to the original question, I supplement, you know, if you want to use that word, not being involved in the public schools to the degree that I could be if my kids were there by actually living in my neighborhood, Mm -hmm. so I don't have to like go volunteer somewhere. (laughs) because I live here. And so, and we love living here and we love getting to know our neighbors. And like I mentioned earlier, you know, I have a lot of freedom to do other things and to be involved in my neighborhood in other ways. And so I think it's just a natural, it's a natural, like saying yes to something. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because we're here 27, Mm -hmm. we're not like driving in nine to five and Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So it's just natural, like, I say yes to my neighborhood because I'm here every day. Mm -hmm. Right.
4: Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. And I'll, I'll piggyback on that and say, you know, we live in small town America where our city is not real. It's not huge. Mm -hmm. And so for us living in an urban setting, it's not like New York city. This is Rocky mountain, North Carolina. It's not a huge metropolis of activity. (laughs) So for us, it seemed like, well, this is what, everyone in our neighborhood is doing so hey let's do that too it's not like there were that many other options mm-hmm. you know? it was just like right. we want to assimilate we want to we want to feel like we're a part. we want to be a part of this family mm-hmm. and it, if this family is going to public school then heck we're going to go to public school and we're going to ride the, the school bus <laughs> and we're going to take advantage of the free lunch and breakfast you know what i mean like mm-hmm. we're going to sign up for all of that because mm-hmm. it just yes for us, it made sense to level the playing field. Mm-hmm. We didn't want a barrier between us. And that was an easy barrier to eliminate. And mm-hmm. like I got like today, I went to the grocery store. And it, like I'll be honest, a huge barrier for me in my neighborhood is the fact that I can buy a carload of groceries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a small thing. But it is something I'm consciously aware of every week when I go to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. I have a carload. And it's just a battle. So I think for all of us, What is our, what is our one barrier that we have in our, in our local communities that we can actively like work towards eliminating? And Mm -hmm. for us, it was just public school.
2: Yeah. Mm. Well, and it's interesting because that's basically the thing that made, you know, we, I think I shared this on Instagram, I think last week when this, when the original episode came out that we toured our current school last February and didn't make a decision until July. So it took us Mm. six or seven months And we flip flopped like crazy. And Mm -hmm. the thing that really made it hard for me to make a decision was that, like, in my head, if you are committed to your community, your kids go to public school. Mm -hmm. And, and I was so concerned about the stereotype of evangelicals pulling out of Christian, pulling out of public school to send their kids to Christian school, and all of the kind of you know, sometimes true narratives and sometimes false narratives that go along with that. And to, Mm -hmm. you know, and even on a more, just to take it out of the broad and into the personal, like there were specific kids that I looked at and said, this child has been in our home. I pick this mom up and take her to field day because she doesn't have a car. I take her daughter, you know, this place, this place, and this place. What's going to happen to to this girl if we are not in the school system anymore? Those kinds of things. Like there were people attached Mm -hmm. with this. And so, I, yeah, I mean, in the, like, that was a huge part of our decision. And that was basically the thing that made it so hard for us to consider something other than public school. But in the end, kind of this big question that kept coming up for me was where, like, what, basically, what is the question? In my case, is the question, how do you fulfill your obligation to your city? Or is the question, what are you called, how are you called to make this decision for your kids? Like, what's the best decision for your kids? And what do you do? When the answer to those two questions is not the same, you know, like if I, Mm -hmm. if I was asking the question, what's best for my kids, I felt really strongly that if I could offer them this kind of unique, small, like our classical Christian school is like a, a struggling church plant version of a classical Christian school. It is not like this, like, glossy, like... It's like, a, are we going to pay the bills this month? Yeah, okay, so we can keep going, that kind of thing. So, you know, is if I can offer them a classical Christian education in this setting, is that the best thing? And for me, I felt like it was. But then I had this other question looming, which was, am I allowed to do this? Or is that leaving mm-hmm. this public school system that I also feel strongly about being super valid? So, I don't know, I just want to make sure that I'm, like... <laughs> including some of that torment that goes along with um, it's not always there are people, I think there are people who don't think about it a whole lot. I think when they, when they maybe, you know, sort of do the Christian school thing because it's a cultural expectation when they do it, even maybe when they can't afford it, like all this stuff, we have a low cost classical education at our disposal and we decided to go for it, but it was, it was really a complicated decision. And in the end, honestly, We made the decision that we did because we decided we will only be able to get more information if we try it. If we try it and it doesn't work, we'll go back and it'll be totally fine.
0: Well, and Christy, it's not like you guys are not involved in your city. Right. I mean, you guys are actively like on the ground, Mm -hmm. you know, planning a church and being involved. Right. Yeah. So it's not like choosing public school was your only in to your community right, your right. but it, it yeah. is
2: i mean it's a good one you know like mm-hmm. it's a really i mean the, the reality is that we were connected kind of like by default to people that we may not have been if we weren't in there and so like mm-hmm. it, it is something to consider but yes in our
4: so case how
0: do you, kind of talking about going back to that that question like how do you make up for the things that you've lost
2: mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like I've said before. We we try to be available, and and I think the reality too is that in our case, like, which this is a bigger part of the story. I mean, we've we we're kind of coming out of crisis mode, and so we're we're doing these things naturally. We're like trying to stay not super busy so we can hang out with people. Like I've said before, like this year, I just kind of want to focus on our actual street. And get to know our actual neighbor, neighbors better and have more people over for dinner and all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, our move to Christian school, to private Christian school, didn't remove us in this, like, violent way. And I think we've just sort of tried to maintain some of those friendships. I still get together with the moms and the kids from some of the other schools every now and then. Mm. So it it isn't, you know, a super black and white kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. Know. Yeah, And and honestly, though, I think I credit my friends whose kids are in different schools with part of that, too. You know, it's not like I left and they stopped inviting me to things, which is mm. something that I'm super appreciative of. Yeah.
1: And I think That's that sweet. highlights a good point, which is you asked yourself the question. Your family asked yourself yourselves the question. I forget exactly how you phrased it, but what is the best case scenario yeah. for our kids? Like, mm-hmm. what is God... Wanting us to do, how are we going to steward our kids well? And you came to that conclusion. Mm-hmm. And Lori's family, mm-hmm. I guarantee, asked the exact same question. Right. And you know, admittedly, maybe they didn't have the options of mm-hmm. a low cost, you know, right. all of those things, but came to a different choice. And mm-hmm. I think oftentimes when this conversation is had, particularly in an online sphere, the perception or the judgment that is passed is that well, clearly you don't care about your kids because you made X, Mm -hmm. Y, and Z decision and God God led us to this decision over here. So ours must be right and yours must be wrong and you must not care about your kids. And I think it's really important to point out and to understand and recognize that, like we said last time, like, no, God can lead us into different directions. And so to acknowledge that we all want what's best for our kids and we're all asking ourselves essentially the same questions you know and we may be coming at it like we talked about and I think we're going to talk about a little bit again but like there could be like a Mm -hmm. fear-based approach to your decision or there could be I don't know just different like underlying themes but in the grand scheme of things we're all trying to do the best that we can right we're all trying to steward our little people Mm -hmm. um, the best that we can and so I think it's just important to recognize like we are all aiming for that. Mm-hmm. And yet God is big enough to lead us all in different directions and to right. different places.
2: Yeah. I think sometimes we end up in this place where like, we think we're, we either have to choose our kids or our community and yes. that's not true. <laughs> you know, like wh- I think the, the big question is how are we going to care for, how are we going to choose both? And mm-hmm. that, that's where it looks different for different people.
3: Yeah. yeah, Christy, that reminds me um, the my the friends that I have here in town that have their kids in the Catholic school, it's like K through fifth grade, or maybe pre-K through fifth grade. I have a little bit of envy because it's been such a great opportunity for them to forge relationships with immigrants. Mm-hmm. And there's like, particularly, I'm thinking Mexican immigrants, and they're, I'm sure both legal and illegal and Right now, like in the cultural climate, that's something that's such a value to me is extending a welcome and building relationships to these to people who probably are dealing with a lot of fear, and mm-hmm. a lot of feeling mis- misrepresented and and so my friend has a natural way to do that and and I don't and so I don't know that just that just stuck out to me as a real as a real advantage when you, when you were talking about, you you don't always have to choose between what's best for your kids and being involved in the community. And that's a way that I really didn't evaluate at all when we registered for school here. And I think my choice would have been the same. I'm really feel really good about the public school that we're in and that, that God has led us there. And I have no regrets about it, but it is an interesting kind of twist that I wasn't expecting when my friend was like, sharing with me that she has these very real communal relationships with the very people that I am trying to figure out how to build a relationship mm-hmm. with.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Christy, when you were talking about something like kind of the questions that you had to work through, mm-hmm. that made me so as we were preparing for this episode, I was kind of, you know, brainstorming my own questions. Like what are questions that we can use as a tool to kind of reevaluate? Cause one of the questions we have had posts to us is you know what about if your kids need different things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and so what are some questions that we can we can ask ourselves and that everyone listening can ask themselves as they're kind of working through maybe not just the big three public school private school mm-hmm. homeschool but in inside of that there's a million different options as well right right? Mm -hmm. so what what are some things that you guys have found helpful to um, your families as you're working through how to best determine the schooling decisions you're going to make for any given year
4: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well I think for us I mean our kids are in public school, but we have a long history of homeschooling. And so every, you know, spring and summer, we begin to reevaluate with every single kid. Hey, how is school working for you? Do you love it? Do you hate it? Do you want to do the advanced placement classes? Do you not? Would you rather be homeschool you? Like, whenever the kids are like, you know, I just want to stay home for the day. My, I, I'm always clued into, hey, do you want me in a homeschool you again? And the answer is always like, heck no. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Absolutely not. But I think... I mean, our kids are older. My oldest is almost 16. My youngest is almost seven. So we're, we're beginning to realize we've moved into the phase of parenting where when they were younger, it was very clear. God had given them to us to shape and mold them. You know, even though they were Mm -hmm. his, they were still under the, the authority of our family. And we've Mm -hmm. moved into the second phase of parenting where there's a keen realization that these children belong to Jesus. They're under our authority, but they're under the lordship of Jesus. And so our kids are speaking with Christ. They are in tune to the Holy Spirit. Our kids are moving and active in their communities, in their schools. And so our kids are beginning to see the need in our community and the needs in their own life. And they're mm-hmm. beginning to see how Christ kind of like knits both, both of those together. Mm-hmm. And they're beginning to see they play a part. Mm-hmm. And and that turn in our in our family dynamic is creating this whole other conversation of, OK, if I'm a believer and I'm 16 years old, what is my what is my job in the kingdom and how do I flesh that out? Do I mm-hmm. stay in the advanced placement classes with, where there's like 100% white kids? Mm-hmm. Or do I choose to do AP where my, my other classmates are or, my, or honors? You know, I mean, those kinds of decisions. Mm-hmm. And obviously, as a parent, I want my kid to excel. I want my kid to take the, the top-level classes to prepare her for college. But the reality is I can't control that. I can mm-hmm. give her the option and tell her what I desire for her, but the decision is, is up to her. Mm-hmm. And um, she can decide. And that is a hard place to be, but it is a place where Jesus is, is taking all of us as parents to say, Hey, these kids belong to Christ and they belong to, you know, to him. And so we can, we can speak into that, but ultimately the decision is between our child and Christ Mm -hmm. and we don't get to speak into that, you know, Mm -hmm. that's a hard place to be. Yeah. When did you
1: start including them in that conversation and in the, like... Do you want to homeschool? Do you want to public school? When did you start asking them those questions?
4: When, when my kids started, you know, 10, 11, 12, that. Okay. And every kid is different. I mean, some kids mature faster than other kids. And as a parent, you know, like, yeah. you know your kids. And so I think for us, as long as we hold our kids loosely in, like, the palm of our hands, with our palms, like, turned
2: mm-hmm. towards the
4: heavens, and we're, like, asking the Lord, like, uh, these are your kids, and I love them, and I want what's best for them, and I mm-hmm. desire these things for them, but I acknowledge they are yours. He is going to be faithful mm-hmm. to use their lives for the kingdom, and you are not going to lose anything. And um, that's a, that is a very hard, scary place to be as a parent, but I think that's the goal of parent. Is to rear your kids in an environment where you you launch them like that's our job to launch them, and there's going to come a time where I think our kids get the get the right to to be able to say what they want. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if Ellie decided next week she wanted me to homeschool her, I would like be jumping on the bandwagon of heck yeah, I'm going to homeschool you, <laughs> you know. Even though I would desire for her something else, I would love—I would lovingly take her back home. Mm-hmm. But you know the thing about private school. Like someone offered us a full scholarship for all of our kids to go to a private school in town. Mm-hmm. And so, and our kids were younger; they were three years younger than they are now. And and Dad and I wrestled with it. We we're like, "What do we do? What do we, what do we do?" You know. And we couldn't decide, so we asked the kids, "Like, what do you want to do?" Mm-hmm. And unanimously, they were like, "We want to go to school with our friends." It was like, duh, you know, like it's just <laughs> no brainer yeah and go to school with our friends. And so it made the decision easy for us. Mm-hmm. And I think as parents, we don't realize that that Christ, the Holy Spirit is working in our kids' lives mm-hmm. as much as he's working in our life. Yeah, and so we failed to, to realize, hey, like the Holy Spirit has illuminated truth to them and, and all that they're they're like not of age to make a right decision. We should listen to what they're saying, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and we shouldn't negate. What they want, desire or feel as the appropriate thing to do, because I think our kids can lead us if we will allow them, but that's a hard thing to do, you know mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah
2: that's good. so this is this is Christy, and the main question that we asked or that I ended up just coming back to over and over again was, who do I want my kids to be when they're thirty? not who yeah. do I want to be them to be when they're eighteen? Cause I was confident that my kids, I mean, not to be overly confident, but like I was confident they could like public school would, I was excited about that. I went to mostly public school, you know, but when I thought about who they wanted to be at 18, I had a little bit of a different perspective of education overall. And I think that's sort of one thing that we have not talked about a whole lot is that a lot of these conversations, we're talking about education in America. We're talking about education in 2017 in America, because there's a much bigger picture here. And you know, when it comes to this, like, pub- like, you know, public school, private Christian school stuff, like, we're kind of leaving out some of the history, which is important. But, because you know, Christians have been using Christian education as education <laughs> since before Christ, right? Like, Like, Jewish children went to mm-hmm. the synagogue mm-hmm. or the temple to be educated. And so, anyway, so as I thought about that, I thought, like, well, what's going to prepare them to be thinking adults? Like I'm less, this was one question we talked about, I think, beforehand. I'm less concerned with the knowledge in their head and more concerned with their ability to process it. And Mm -hmm. um, so that was sort of the question that really made me land. I'm on the side of classical education, and the goal of that model of education is to prepare students to think. It's Mm -hmm. sort of like a liberal arts type thing, where it's like we're not training you for a job, We're um, hoping to produce someone who can think critically and evaluate and argue confidently and well and that kind of thing. So that question of like, not who do I I want them to be when they graduate from high school, but who do I want them to be when they're 30 and 40 was one that helped me process things.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's really good. And really interesting to hear you say that, Christy, because I have heard other things Somebody told me classical education is a lot of memorization. So it's really yes. interesting to hear you say mm-hmm. kind of opposite of
2: that. Well, it, so. so it's, yeah. I mean, we don't need to get into like all like a whole lot about that because I know we're g- probably going to be short on time. But the first mm-hmm. phase, which is like the early early grades, is the grammar phase. And there's a lot of memorization and repetition there. And then as you mm-hmm. move into the next one, you start to question things and evaluate. And then the last phase is rhetoric, which is, where you are, there's a lot of debate and it's not, it's uh, really thoughtfully prepared and well articulated. That like That's the goal. So like my seven-year-old is going to participate in a speech meet next month where she has to stand up and recite a poem and be graded on how well she presents it, <laughs> that kind of thing.
1: So for our family, I mean, part of our decision to homeschool is based on some of the needs that our kids have and depending on how loosely you want to use the term special needs or you know learning differently four out of five of my kids would fall somewhere in there on different ends of that spectrum and so homeschooling works really well for us right now and i have you know three kiddos who have were not born into our family so we're also thinking about attachment and felt safety and trust uh-huh. and all of those things and so being at home obviously affords us a lot of time to bond and spend together. But also, you know, I recognize that there is very likely to come a day when homeschooling is not the best choice for all of the kids, you know, for all of their education. Right. So, I mean, I don't know that there's like really a specific question or even a set of questions that I that we ask, but we do... I mean it's and it's constant too. I guess maybe that's why I'm having a hard time answering the question cuz it's not a once a year thing. It's a continuous like okay, is this meeting his needs? Is this meeting her needs? Is this uh-huh. the best curriculum? Is this the best, you know, schedule? Is this ever, you know. So, it's really an ongoing dialogue that I'm having in my head about is this what's best for each of them? And you know, right now, the needs that our kiddos have I can handle at home and manage at home. And I have in the past met with a special education tutor to kind of help me figure out how can I maybe make some changes to their curriculum to meet the different needs that my Mm -hmm. kids have in terms of how they learn best. But there may come a day that I'm not capable of meeting their needs, you know. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we we do take it one year at a time and one kid at a time. And, we haven't included them in the conversation yet, Lori, which is why I asked at what age you started to do that. But it's funny, you know, the grass is always greener. And so yeah. there are definitely <laughs> days when, you know, math is maybe a little bit too hard and everybody yes. wants to get on the first bus that drives by. <laughs>
2: yes. Or you
4: <laughs> want to put
1: them on that bus. you yeah, like, get yeah. on There's that bus. Those days too. But when it's, you know, sleeping in and uh, going to the park on in the afternoon yeah. and those kind of things, they realize, oh, wait, there aren't any other kids here because they're all, in
4: school, so. And I miss that. I'll be honest. I totally missed that. Yeah, I absolutely do. Yeah, it's a sweet privilege. Yeah, it is. It's a privilege. You're right.
3: So one one thing that that changed as far as my expectations and what our ultimate choice ended up being was we started out, you know, looking to preschool and kindergarten, and I really wanted to do a Montessori school, mm. and because I loved like the. Yeah, the, I loved the freedom to learn and and explore individual interests and kind of the a little bit outside of the box type.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um,
3: but it turns out that my kid loves structure and <laughs> and like tell him exactly what to do, when to do it, and you know, and so that's actually the reason that I when he finally came of school age, I wasn't tempted to homeschool at all because I knew that it was not going to work because he needs so much structure. Um, Mm -hmm. He has autism and and ADHD. He needs so much structure and he does great. And so Mm -hmm. in public school, the format for him works perfectly, but Mm -hmm. I am so, I am so horrible with structure. And I spent the first several years when he was little of trying to do things trying to have a schedule trying to do some kind of learning stuff or just like it would every single time i tried it would end after like two or three days because i you know and then when he doesn't have structure his behavior plummets and so it it was kind of this terrible cycle Mm -hmm. that we found ourselves in so that was definitely like it it kind of came down to okay well this was what my expectation was in in parenthood But it turns out that's not what my kid needs, you know, Mm -hmm. so where can he best get what he needs? And for us, it was public school, which worked out with a lot of our, you know, passion to be involved in the community. So those things went together really easily. But that wasn't even how I started out parenting, you know, Mm -hmm. that wasn't Mm -hmm. what I thought would happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Kayla, do you, did you always knew that you were going to do public school or was that Joseph's needs originally?
0: Yeah, well, it's kind of funny. We were going to enroll him in a private preschool, Christian preschool. That is like the type of thing that people line up like hours in advance when it's registration day, like in the morning and the registration isn't until the afternoon and people would like stake their seats and stuff. And we had just moved to town. I was a young mom. Everyone was like, you have to take your kid to this preschool. And I was like, okay. And then we realized that he had different needs and that he could actually get a more one-on-one attention at the public preschool. And so that was our entry Mm -hmm. into the public system. Mm -hmm. And after that, it was like, Oh my word, like he can stick with some of these people Mm -hmm. and and it's amazing. And I just was like, I can't imagine really not sending any of my kids through this and and I was public schooled as well but I really so I'm really a big fan of Kieran Purvis's work at Texas Christian University and if you've listened to the adoption bonus episode that me and Lindsay and Shannon did I talked about a little bit about trust-based relational parenting but there's basically three parts of that which is empowerment and that is paying attention to kids physical needs so a kid's physical need at school like I have a kiddo that needs to move as he's listening a little bit and I need to have a teacher that's going to be okay with that. As long as he's not physically disturbing other kids, you know, Mm -hmm. he, he's going to be kind of, he has some movement that he needs and some sensory input he needs. So that is kind of the physical aspect. And then the second part is connection which is paying attention to his attachment needs. And then the third is correction. So how do you pay attention to behavioral needs? And so those are some some things that are always kind of in the back of my mind as I'm thinking about schooling. And Shannon, I also really love the Montessori. And I think it's really interesting because there's like private Montessori Mm -hmm. and public Montessori.
4: I think – as as parents we want to choose our kids schooling based upon the experience we desire for them to have in the world Mm -hmm. and that's hard Mm -hmm. super hard that i think for us as parents even above the educational component it has been our kids are trying to figure out who they are Mm -hmm. yeah so i get it kayla i get exactly what you're saying Mm -hmm.
1: Well, thanks for listening to this episode of the Upside Down Podcast. And you can follow us on iTunes so that you get the episodes as they come out. And you can also follow along online. There will be some show notes that come out with this episode. And you can find that at UpsideDownPodcast.com. And you can also follow us on Instagram at podcast. Kayla, did you share about how you supplement your choice? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She did. Sorry, mm-hmm. I missed it. Thanks
0: for listening. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny, can you use that as an outtake. <laughs>
1: Leave it.
0: I don't get to be deadpan very often, so when I do, I feel like I'm really proud of myself. <laughs> love it.
1: Love
2: it. <laughs>